This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Nadal swaying. Djokovic reaches into the serve, serves down the tee, the backhand is in play. Djokovic opens up the forehand and he flips it into the corner. The stretch on the backhand from Nadal. Inside in go Djokovic, that's good. He comes forward, Djokovic plays a straightforward backhand volley. He scoops it up, Nadal scoops up another one, but it's into the net and it's game, set and championship one for Rafa Nadal. His 81st title, his 34th Masters crown and his ninth in the eternal city. Rafa Nadal takes a title into Roland Garros. He comes through in two hours and 24 minutes. Six love, four six, six one. Congratulations. How much of a relief is it to win this first title of your season, especially at such a crucial time of the clay court season? Well, for me, as I said, um, every day, no, is win a title is important, but for me, the most important thing is feel myself competitive, feel myself healthy, and and then with the feeling that I, uh, I am improving. No, I know if I if I am able to reach my level, you can win, you can lose, but normally I'm going to have my chances, especially in this surprise. No, so very happy for the victory. It has been a, a great match. I played well, so just enjoying that moment. It must be extra special to be able to beat Novak in such a big final, given your epic rivalry that you've had. Well, it's always a special place against Novak, against Roger. No, these kind of matches are tradition on, on this sport for the last 10, 14 years now, so it's always a special. Novak is doing a great season, winning in Australia, winning last week in Madrid, final here, so yeah, uh, it's an important victory for me, but for me what means a lot is win again here in Rome, that's one of the most important events of the year, and for me personally it's just unbelievable. Very well done, enjoy this. Thank you very much. Rafa Nadal, your winner in Rome, a ninth title in the Eternal City, and the perfect preparation for the world number two to take into Roland Garros later this month. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Gigi Salmon against Miles McLagan. The final finish just a matter of minutes ago. And I think, Miles, that we're slightly surprised that it lasted as long as it did after Novak Djokovic was bageled in the first set. It was a slow start for, for Djokovic. Nadal looked possessed, but you know Djokovic is a survivor. He's hung in. He's done that a, a couple of times uh, this week. But uh, I think there just wasn't enough in the tank. And well, Nadal, he can make things so difficult. He makes you work so hard. In the end, it was just a step too far for Djokovic. Because it was, it was a crazy situation that we had a complete washout. And then we had 20 matches in one day. And people being put through the ringer a couple of times, unless you're Nadal, that just on that day decided to drop two games. So he was as fresh as a daisy, Rafa Nadal, by comparison, coming into this final. Yeah, and that was always going to be the, the big question mark. Djokovic, who'd... Uh had a tough match with Del Potro and Schwartzman, both three setters, but not only three setters, I think more than that, the fact that they'd finished late at night, Schwartzman after, you know, after midnight, and it, it does just mess up your, your body rhythms, your clocks, your ability to sleep, recover, and you know, we know you can't come into a, a clay court match against Nadal with the, <laughs> with depleted energy reserves. So Djokovic, he, he did all he could, but you know, the, the schedule perhaps not helping him out uh, on this occasion. How important or not is it that Nadal takes a title on the clay into Roland Garros? I think it's it's important. It's uh, it's nice for him. It's certainly a boost. It tops up 
his uh, his confidence levels, but he's been playing better and better. If he hadn't won, it certainly didn't mean that he couldn't win in Roland Garros. I think it was he probably still would have gone in in favourite for me. Now he definitely goes in as the favourite. Uh, certainly not writing Djokovic off, but you know the, the tennis he's playing. Boy, that, uh, that forehand fired beautifully today. I mean, we always expect the the competitive spirit, uh, the the fighting, the scrapping from Nadal, but the forehand, particularly up the line, was uh, was a devastating shot. And, and not just today, we've seen it throughout the tournament. It's it's been been tough. And uh, well, he looked uh, he looked energized, focused, and confident. And it looked sorry, it looked like that trophy. They all mean a lot. He's happy, but it just looked like it meant a little more to him <laughs> He's today. He's giving an extra little cuddle, yeah. wasn't he? <laughs> but it's a good barometer of where Nadal's at. You mentioned that that forehand up the line. You can I think you can read a lot into where Nadal is at by how he's playing that shot. I think so. When when we see him playing with with the heavy topspin and and big margins and a long way behind the baseline, he clearly doesn't have the freedom to 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 let loose. But today that wasn't the case. He was looking to move up on the baseline to take the ball early to to rush Djokovic and and perhaps sometimes you know these great players they know that playing against each other that there's there's no second option you have to be aggressive you have to step up you have to to, to go for it and, and Nadal did all of those things uh, successfully today it lasted two hours and 24 minutes and if you looked at the times of the set and you didn't look at the score would you have put a six love by 39 minutes no, well, we know there's a lot that goes on between <laughs> the points, and and one of the one of the sort of funny little side uh, side notes for this week is they've had the the shot clock on the side of the court opposite the service line, and Nadal was sort of you know would bounce the ball a couple of times, nervously glance across at the the clock, mounted a few more times, and it sort of became I think it almost became part of his routine like I've got to look at the clock three times before I can serve so as if he needed anything more adding to it but uh, perhaps it won't be in uh, in that uh, position going forward in, uh, in his next events. Uh, for Novak Djokovic though so many positives to take out well, not just out of the year but out of this run on clay there was a quarterfinal showing in Monte Carlo lost to Daniel Medvedev he won Madrid as we know and he's he's a runner-up here so he will be feeling pretty good going into Roland Garros. I think he's in an ideal spot you mentioned that win in Madrid so nice to get his hands on some silverware played some some good tennis here some tough matches that he came through to test himself he saved a match point to get saved a couple match points against Juan Martin Del Potro in a great match and perhaps just perhaps losing today maybe just lessens the pressure on him a little bit he's going for that fourth uh the fourth and final grand slam in to hold all four in Roland Garros there's going to be a lot of questions about that uh there'll be a lot of pressure he'll be he'll be feeling the nerves there and, and perhaps just Nadal I'm sure he'll be the most people's favourite now. Just lessens that, but he's in an extremely good place. The, the, the sharpness, the focus, look back again. Yeah, I cannot wait to see how all the other players land in this draw. We know that Djokovic and Nadal face each other in the French Open and Roland Garros, it will have to be in the final. What else are you taking away from your week at the Internationale Biennale d'Italia? Well, a couple of... Uh, I mean, we were looking for Sasha Zverev to start firing in. That certainly didn't happen. Uh, I thought uh, you were going to say rain, by the way, first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was remarkable. We had a, uh, we had a, a, a washout of a day. But for Sasha Zverev... Yeah, uh, unsatisfying performance against uh, Berrettini. Uh, unforced errors, littered uh, performance, and of course, uh, well, Dominic Team beaten by uh, by the experienced Fernando Vadasco. That was. 
perhaps a surprise, but Vadasco, uh, a new father, able to pull inspiration from different areas now. But sleepless I nights. Yeah, <laughs> but I think, you know, teams had a pretty tough clay court season, so he'll be full of confidence and maybe that little extra time. And, well, we wondered if Federer, having it with his exploits in Madrid, but he came, he showed up, he got through a tough match against Borna Charge, saved match points in that. Unfortunately, he was unable to come out against Tsitsipas the next day because that was the match from the quarterfinals I was really looking forward to. But, you know, perhaps that doubling up is uh, just uh, looking to, to protect themselves going forward. I felt bad because we were all together on the day it rained and we, we all did a little sweepstake, how much tennis would we get? And I, I, I thought we'd get an hour. And so we all fell short on that one. But then the next day was my day off, um, which is lovely to have a day off. But you had 20 matches. Did you bet you didn't realise whether you were coming or going by the end of that day. It was non-stop. So we had the big names where everybody played twice. So, I mean, it was literally, <laughs> you know, it was a bit of Nadal. And then we had to jump across to, to Djokovic, watch Federer back again to the start, throwing a bit of Tsitsipas. And let's not forget one of the sort of events, Nick Kyrgios de getting defaulted. That yes. happened that day. And it almost was, I'm not going to say it went under the radar, but it was on one of the outside courts. So we didn't see as much of it as, well, perhaps we wouldn't like to. Yeah, the Nick... Curious discussions will continue. Talking about outside courts, some players were playing on courts that they probably didn't know were there before this year because the organisers, the schedulers, had to fit everyone on. Yeah, well, there's, there's three main stadium courts here. There's the, obviously, Centrale, there's the Grandstand, and then Petrangeli. And then outside of that, they're all pretty equal. There's, uh, I think it's uh, one to four, basically. I think those are... Uh, there's the, the quadrangular courts, and they're all pretty equal, and they do get a great atmosphere. But we saw Del Potro playing out there, Nishikori, Sitsipas, and I mean, it's, I, I, do you know what? I, I like to actually see that occasionally. It's nice to see the people who don't always have the tickets for Santa <laughs> getting right up close to the action. That would have been a special day to, to watch some of that tennis. You know, Nishikori right up close, um, and, and as I said, Del Potro, Sitsipas. In the ATP Tennis Radio predictions, I thought you had done better than you had because we've got two miles at play mm. in this competition. I was thinking, oh, you had Djokovic well done, but you didn't. Uh, and, I mean, I did terribly, so I'm not comparing mm. us to each other because I'm just having a shocker. I'm having a really bad clay court season. Um, Maybe team... clay's not your surface. <laughs> it's definitely not my surface. <laughs> And I just don't think predictions... I, I hope it's not grass, because we don't have any on I that. just don't think... <laughs> the, the, the error I made this time is I was having such a bad time of it, I asked one of my children to pick. I mean, they're only three, so I asked them to point at a piece of paper. And they picked Del Potro and, and Hashinov. And I just went, no, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to go for them. So I went in their place, Zverev and Chilich. And for those who've been following this week will know that Hashinov and Del, Del Potro did a lot better than those two. Zverev, Chilich and... Well, I went down Evans, but he had a lot of breakpoint opportunities. So he, he okay. had that match. He just, look at you, look at me like that. That was, a, risk, just, that was a risky trio. You well, I think every now and then you've got to take a risk. Oh, you people well, playing, you oh, did, you certainly did that. Miles, oh, I'm going to go for team on clay. I mean, how yeah. risky is that? And there's the Nadals and Djokovic. I just wanted to sort of be a little bit different because it's the top eight from our list of around 36, mm. 37 that go through to, to qualify and play in London. So you want a couple of big hits, huh? And I just, I just don't think I'm going to be in London. I just don't think I'm going to be part of it. I think I've almost accepted my fate. <laughs> yeah, a long way to go. But I, I suppose you know, things, can, things can change. And Look, I, I have two children, so I'm going to the second one from Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to go with their predictions because I feel, you know, but you never know. I might try and, and you can get your daughters to get involved. I know you take it too seriously. You would never let that happen, no. would you? 
No, you, look, you don't get your kids to do your pension woman. and stocks and shares as well, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I stay away from those. I'm not a gambler, and I'm also not a predictor. Um, <laughs> right, what we're going to do, uh, Mars going to have a little bit of a break for now. We're going to discuss Roland Garris in a while, but there was so much great content that Nick McCarville gathered, and on that day when it rained all day, I mean, it was like content jackpot because he was sat in the players' lounge, which was bursting at the seams, and these people had a little bit of time on their hands, so he got some great pieces, but it wasn't just on the rain delay day on the Wednesday, it was throughout the week. So here for you are the best bits of the those we heard from, courtesy of Nick McCarville. Well, it's not often we have a WTA player on ATP Tennis Radio, but Maria Sakari, you won your match today, but you just had a really cool photo shoot with Stefanos Tsitsipas. You guys, tell me, how far do you go back? How long have you known each other? Well, I will only tell you that our moms, they know each other before they even got married, since they were 15 years old, so that's... A long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, my mom was a player, his mom was a player. They, know, they knew each other since uh, they were junior players. So I know Stefano since he was a kid. Uh, he's younger than me, so he, he played on a different category. But of course, you know, once he started playing same tournaments as me, some futures and then straight into Grand Slams, I know him pretty well. Now, the two of you played Hotman Cup this January together. What was that experience like? You had pretty good success off the court, but uh, on the court, but I think you enjoyed yourselves off the court too. Yeah, I think it was uh, both of us uh, really enjoyed uh, our time there, especially on court, but also off the court. We got to spend uh, time together. I got to know each other a little bit more. And, um, you know, uh, I think we will both remember really, really well the match against Roger Federer and Belinda Bencic. It was an unbelievable Amazing. experience for us. <laughs> uh, so obviously he just made the final in Madrid. He's had great success. You've had your fair share of success too. But uh, how have you experienced what he's been able to do now? A, a top 10 player a year ago, he had to qualify in Rome and now he's top 10. Well, uh, Every time, you know, uh, with, I talk about him, I get goosebumps because the way he's playing and the way he's uh, doing things is just unique. And um, he's just an incredible player, an unbelievable talent. I think he was born to do that and to be that well on t uh, as a tennis player. So I think he because he worked hard, it's not just that he was a great talent. Um, so I'm extremely happy for him. And um, I'm sure he's going to achieve many more great things. And Maria, it seems, lastly, it seems like he only wants now, I know everyone wants more success, but he really seems determined to, to be even better and to do even more. Yeah, you know, that's what makes him even better. You know, he, he's not just a player that he's satisfied with a good result. He always wants more. He always works hard. You will never see him, like, laying on the beach, enjoying his life just because he's top ten. You will see him uh, spending hours on court in the gym, uh, taking care of his body, and um, I think that's the way he's going to achieve the big things. I'm yeah. not going to say yeah. what, but what I think, <laughs> okay. but big, bigger things that yeah. he's achieving now. Thanks, Maria. Thank you very much. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Diego Schwartzman, uh, the, you know, you had that... You had that rise where you were to world number 11. Can, can you talk a little bit about the pressure that you faced as you got up inside the top 15 and how that was different for you to face on court? 
Well, if you ask to me a few years ago, I didn't expect to to be in the top uh, 15. Then I think I deserve to be to be there after a few good years. But uh, you know, close to the top 10, then top 15. Too many good players playing. Too many young players playing right now. So it was not easy to to be there a long time and nothing. I expect to be to be there again. I'm trying. I'm working hard, and I, I hope to be there soon. Yeah, you spoke to uh, one of our colleagues last week in Madrid, and yeah. you said that right now the goal isn't top ten. Yeah, what's no. what's what's the goal internally for your team? Right, right now, feeling in, in a good shape uh, again on, on the on the court. Uh, I didn't start really really well in the in the clay season, winning a few matches, tough matches, but uh, not uh, two or three matches per tournament. So. It's 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 a good uh, week for me, feeling again really well uh, on the court, outside the court. So uh, that is the the first step to 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 get the confidence to to be there in the top 15 again, and then the the top 10. I hope to be there, but it's not the the first goal right now. I think sometimes from an external uh, point of view, we look at it and say, well, did he have a knee injury or was it his <laughs> ankle? Or but there's so many other factors that yeah. go into playing your best tennis, right? Yeah, to everyone. I mean, every single player is different. The life is different. The parents, family, friends. Uh, many, many things happening outside the court, and sometimes you cannot pull out from the from the court. And uh, it's not really easy for me. Where two or three years really tough, many matches, many new things. So sometimes you have a few months not in the in the best shape, not not playing your best tennis, and nothing. My first goal right now it's it's feeling feeling well. Uh, again on the on the court and, and trying to repeat uh, what I did the, the last two years. Is it hard to to you know, you might feel well in practice or feel yeah. well with your team and then when you get on the match court things don't go your way. How do how do you mentally find the way to turn things around for yourself? Well, I think uh, I have a good team outside outside the court. I'm I'm doing a great job outside the court. Sometimes it's it's not really easy to to do that uh, inside. You know, you you get in nervous. You 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 have a, a lot of things uh, in the matches, playing for a lot of things. So it's it's not always easy being the in your hundred percent. And when you maybe lost a little bit of confidence. Uh, it's it's really hard to 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 get back. So I'm I'm really happy to f- to feel in a, again in in a good sh- in a good mood and uh, trying to 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 stay like like this week. You've had great success, obviously away from the clay too. But w- when you come into the clay season, that might give you more confidence. Yeah. But then, do you also feel m- more pressure to perform on the clay? Well, uh, last two three years, I had a really great clay season. Uh, doing a lot of points is like the base of points I have uh, every year, and I didn't start really well this one, so um, mm. was was not easy the beginning, and yeah. and now I feel like okay, now I'm doing well, mm. uh, so it's it's really important for me this week. Roland Garros, the French Open. I mean, you've obviously had some <laughs> some great results yeah. there in the past. When you get on site there, uh, what are the feelings? What are the emotions that surround you at, at the Grand Slam of of red clay? 
Well, it's a big uh, Grand Slam for us. Uh, a lot of history. It's like uh, Argentinian legacy is there of the of the guys who who played so good in on clay. Uh, Argentinian final uh, and other guys winning the tournament. Uh, Juan Martin doing semi-final a few times, quarters me the last year. My my coach doing quarters a few times. So it's a it's a big tournament for us. Uh, we love to be there and nothing. It's it's great to to feel good in Rome because my next tournament it's it's Roland Garros. So I need the confidence to to do uh, well there. Uh, as you mentioned that I think the all Argentina final it was Canas and Coria. Gaudio Coria. Gaudia, thank Gaudio, you. Gaudia yeah, Coria. Gaudio Coria. Uh, what? Gaudio, um, our captain in yeah. Davis Cup, yeah. Do you, I mean, do you remember watching that as a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember I was in Mar del Plata playing a junior uh, tournament, yeah. Everyone was like 200 people watching in the bar, you know, just one TV, really small at that time, <laughs> 15 years ago. So it was, uh, it was great. It was great. It was a good experience for me. I, I started, I, I born in, in tennis watching all, all these guys. So. Uh, I have lucky to to have uh, too many good players in Argentina at that time. Yeah, I mean, for, and lastly, just on that memory for me, uh, is that something that you feel like you know really propelled you to to want to succeed or know that you could succeed at this level? Well, uh, yeah, not like not like them, <laughs> not not right now, but yeah, I, I need the. I need to feel well, and I think uh, to to have all these guys, you know, at the beginning and now helping, you know, in some point uh, in the Argentinian tennis, it's it's, it's really important. And, and I didn't really expect to to be right now here and having uh, Cory, Gaudio, everyone, you know, close to to me, talking talking about tennis, talking about the tournaments. It's it's great. And at that time in 2004. 2005. I, I didn't expect to, to have a conversation with them, so uh, it's it, it's great how the how the life is going. Well, we're in a, a busy player restaurant and and we're watching kids run around because yeah. your little boy Flavia Panetta, he's gonna be two uh, very yeah, soon. Sunday, Sunday is gonna be two. Federico is here running around in the player lounge, and I mean it's really intense, like his father. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's got a mischievous smile on his face, so he must be Fabio Fonini's son. Um, how are you, by the way? You look wonderful, and I have to say, you just have this air about you that um, you're very content in your life right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy for my life in this moment. I mean, I am completely full mom. Um, stay all the time with Federico, try to travel also with Fabio a few times, a few weeks in the year. Like this, also him can stay with his son and just uh, enjoy him a lot. Um, I'm still working also in the um, in TV with Eurosport, so I do the three Grand Slams: Australian Open, Roland Garros, and the U.S. Open. Um, and I'm still involved in tennis because I love it so much. Uh, it was my life for ever, and it's uh, it's difficult to be without him. And uh, I always try to to be involved in some some organized things for young kids and uh, enjoy the moment in the court all the time. I imagine uh, as someone who is a Grand Slam champion who had so many years on tour, do you have a, a is it a strange relationship when you come back to the big events or how do you, how do you feel in your heart? Now I feel much better. In the beginning it was so difficult for me because I was used to be in the tournament for for me for myself and uh, uh, Sunday I was for, for Fabio and waiting all day for his match and I don't know what to do all day in the player lounge so 
was a little bit difficult in the beginning, but now I mean I'm I'm really happy with my life. I'm happy with Federico. Uh, I'm happy with Fabio because also I think he's improved a lot as a, as a person. You know, is uh, when I meet him for the first time, he was he was really young, and now he's become a man. And uh, a lot of things change in his life and in our life uh, after Federico comes. And I'm really, I'm really happy for him because now he's living the best moment of his career. It's looked like it's uh, in peace <laughs> in the court and try to play his every match in the, the best he can. And I think it's really important for him because he's so talented. He, he played really well and he deserves to be on the top of the. On, of the circuit. Do you do you think because I've spoken to a few Italian journalists here and they all say the same thing that Fabio has you and Federico and sort of this maybe not maybe that not he's changed but that there's a, a new sense of calm around him and Flavio do you think that's helping his tennis? I think it's uh, helping a lot Fabio uh, Federico you know when you become a father uh, all everything change you you have this little man that it's there for you and you are you have to do everything for for him uh, so you have to be really um, I, I don't know how to say in English paciente uh, you have to you need time for uh, every change you make you need time to learn everything because every day is different and for Fabio that it's really like he won everything fast and easy <laughs> uh, it's it's completely a big change you know uh, so I think to be a father for him was the best change of his life mm. so he wins that title uh, a few weeks ago in Monte Carlo was it a surprise to you that he's able to, at this point in his career, win his first Masters 1000? Well, it was a surprise because uh, in the beginning of the year he didn't play really well. I mean, until uh, Monte Carlo he didn't play well. And uh, I always think that he has a chance to, to win a big tournament because he played really well. But in that moment, when you come from the beginning of the year, after four months, that you win just four matches, I mean, you, you don't expect to... To, to win Monte Carlo, I have to be uh, clear on this. But the first match that he played was almost uh, dead. It was 6-4 six, six, for one down. Yeah. And uh, he won that match. And after that, it's coming every day better, every day better. And suddenly, he was playing the best tennis of his life. Do you feel like, lastly, do you feel as though he could still have the best tennis in front of him, that he's not yet played his best tennis? I think it, you always can improve, you always can play better, so you have to give yourself the chance to do that all the time. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that he can do better and better. I mean, it's not over, it's not because he, play, he won one tournament, it's done. It's just the beginning, I think. Well, thank you uh, for being so gracious with your time, Flavia Panetta, and uh, it's great to see you. Thank you. Matteo Berrettini, thank you for joining us here on ATP Tennis Radio. It's been a huge 12 months for you uh, on the ATP Tour. You come back and play here at home in Rome. What are the emotions of playing in front of the home crowd? Uh, it's always a pleasure and a dream to, to play here, I mean, to come back here. Uh, I'm really excited to play. I was, you know, feeling the crowd and the court. I, I was, I was loving. I was enjoying a lot playing here, and uh, yeah, it's 
it was my dream when I was a child and I came here, you know, to watch this tournament and I still can't believe it, <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy, yeah. Last year you had a, a good first round win and then you took on Sasha Zverev. In the second round you have a similar situation this year. How do you look forward to that challenge? But Matteo, also you've matured a lot in your tennis. You're playing a different sort of ball game this year. Yeah, last year I won the first match here and was was of course was different because I was out of the uh, out of the hundred and this year I'm coming here on 31 and uh, I did two finals in a row so I'm I'm really feeling confident and uh, also Alex is a is a great player but you know last year also I did my best to to beat him to to fight against him so I'm really looking forward to to do my best and to enjoy the, the match li like I did last year Let's talk a little bit about your tennis this year. You're 16 and 10. You won that title in Budapest. Your second. You reached the final in Munich. What has allowed you to play your best tennis? How do you feel as though you've been able to bring out the best tennis against some of these top guys? Uh, I think because I I did a lot of matches, a lot of uh, you know high level matches that helped me a lot to improve myself to. To discover what I I had to do to, to improve myself and um, I did a a good good match but not so good uh, in in Monte Carlo against Dimitrov and uh, I you know I, w I wasn't happy a lot about the match but not the the, the, the lose but about about the way I lost the match so I I practiced a lot I was I was really focused on my practice sessions and. Uh, this was the the key to you know to to improve and to to do better. We're actually hearing the uh, the noise from the stadium because Yannick Sinner, your your uh, compatriot, has just won. But just in general, the support here in Italy, they get so excited for the Italians. There's seven of you in the main draw. Is there anything for you like playing in front of the home crowd? I mean, seven really. Oh. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot, and uh, we are doing a great job, I think. And we are, I think, helping each other. You know, Fabio won in Monte Carlo, then I won in Budapest, then I did final. So we are, you know, helping a lot each other because he, <laughs> it's it's a um, single sport. You know, I mean, uh, you play alone, but uh, you you always looking for the other guys. And uh, uh, I'm really happy for also for the Davis Cup because we are we are a really good team and a lot of young players are and growing up and improve a lot. So uh, I think this is the best tournament. I mean, for me, it's the best tournament, best atmosphere for sure. And uh, I cannot imagine, I don't know, better situation to play tennis. You mentioned at the beginning you have memories of being a kid here, coming and watching. What what might be one or two of those memories? I remember once that I didn't have the ticket to watch Federer against Volandri, and I was <laughs> yeah. trying, you know, to to enter, but I didn't I didn't make it. And uh, yeah, it was a nice memory because I was really young and. Uh, I was hearing, you know, the crowd like like crazy for Filippo, and uh, he won the match, and I was really really happy for that. And uh, yeah, maybe I choose to play tennis for for those moments, you know, to to live those moments. And uh, now I'm here and I'm enjoying a lot. We obviously know you have a huge serve. You've got that big forehand too. But what are the other components to your game? What else do you feel like makes you so dangerous? Because now you're at a career high ranking right now of 31 in the world. 
Yeah, of course, my serve and my forehand are my best weapons, but uh, I think I, I improved a lot my backhand in the last last months, and uh, also I I'm playing a good good drop shots and slice with the backhand, and uh, my my return also improved a lot. I I did a great preseason, and uh, in the beginning I didn't didn't do a, a great results, but I was you know. Uh, practicing and practicing over and over, and I was feeling I was feeling really confident about myself, about about my team. So I I knew that the results were you know were coming. Uh, Turin was announced as the ATP Finals host. <laughs> Do you, when you hear that, obviously it's great news for Italy from 2021. But is there something in the back of your mind, Matteo, that says that you'd like to be there at some point? Of course, I like to be there, but uh, right now I'm not thinking about that because I I think uh, I have to improve a lot of things. I have to to practice a lot. I have to live more moments like this, like these these tournaments. And uh, I'm pretty young on the tour, so I wanna I wanna just enjoy what I'm doing. And uh, of course, I'm thinking about the future, but right now I'm living day by day. And we know, lastly, and I know that you've had great success on red clay, but I think you've tried to make a point of uh, having su success on other uh, surfaces as well. You won the Challenger in Phoenix earlier this year. Is that something you feel like your game can grow outside of clay as well? Yeah, of course. I was born on clay, so it's my surface. Yeah, and uh, we, I, I was practicing when I was a child, and I was, you know, teenager always on clay. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling really confident on clay. But uh, yeah, my for the weapons that I have, and uh, the, the, I mean, also the preseason that I did, I, I improved a lot on the on, on the hard hard course, like I did in Davis Cup on grass. Uh, I did semis in on Sofia in Sofia. So a lot of also results on hard course. I'm really looking forward to improve more and more. And I think this year I'm, I'm going to play also in Cincinnati and in Canada. So hmm. I'm really happy for that. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. So we're here uh, sort of in a crowded uh, player area with Joao Sosa. And uh, I actually wanted to ask you first, um, you moved to Barcelona when you were 15 and you've now sort of been inside the top 100 for the last six or seven years. Is that uh, sort of the realization of a dream or how do you reflect on uh, that 15 year old kid making that big decision? Well, yeah, I could say, I could say it's, it is, uh, uh, of course, uh, got it? Yeah. Uh, I could say it's, it is a, a dream come true being on top 100 and for several years uh, after that uh, big effort from not only from me, but also from my family during all of these years. Uh, moving to Barcelona when I was young was a decision that I made. I was actually very young, was a tough one for me, but uh, in the end everything worked out and I'm really happy to be in uh, playing uh, the best tournaments in the world and uh, being here for so many years, it's, it's very special for me. Yeah, I guess, I mean, you know, you've come to Rome now for several years and you'll go on with the tour and continue to follow the calendar, but how do you keep that specialness? How do you continue to drive yourself week in and week out? Well, I think it's important to uh, to improve every day. Uh, try to to keep to be better, to to keep keep the level of the the youngers. They are coming very strong, and uh, 
to be uh, to be here at the top, you need to to get uh, better. You need to improve your your strokes, your mental strength. So you just try to to be better every day. I think that's the key of being on top for so 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 many years. And uh, I'm lucky that I I have a, a great team working with me and push me all the time. It's not easy to to be focused and to be motivated to to get better every day. But they are doing a, a great work on on that chapter. I think. We're speaking to Joao today. He won a three-hour match against uh, Francis Tiafo, which was an amazing match. But when you're out there, I think for, for us that aren't professional tennis players, Joao, is, is it fun? I, I mean, do you get to enjoy yourself when you're in a battle yeah. like that? Well, it's not easy to have fun, but uh, you just try your best. I mean, today was a big fight against a, a great player, a great guy. Francis is a great guy. And... Uh, it was a big fight. I mean, I saved four match points. Um, he deserved also to win today. I mean, I was maybe a little bit luckier in the end. I was able to to do my my game and I was able to to win this match. But I, I think it was a great match to to see a big fight today. And that's those those matches are are very important for me and to keep the confidence high. There's obviously the uh, Campo Centrale here. We're inside of it right now. There's the grandstand. Uh, there's the bold courts with the statues around it, the Pietrangeli. You guys today played on one of the side courts, but the atmosphere, um, it, it's amazing. It almost feels like the fans are right there with you. Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, Rome, it's one of those tournaments that uh, people is all around. They they, they really leave the, the, the match, and that's that's good for us. I mean, it's, we feel it also on court, and the, the court was packed. Even was only one, uh, one stand on our on our court but it was packed and uh, everyone was filling the, the match and that's very special for both of us okay you won't be surprised it'll be packed for you when you play your next match because you take on Roger Federer who's here for the first time in three years when you're taking on a top player as you've done many times in your career how do you uh, I guess we would say put the blinders on how do you only see in front of you what tennis you need to play to win the match well, yeah, I mean, Roger is one of the best, uh, for sure. I have to play a great tennis. Today I played very well. I'm very happy with this uh, this match today. And, uh, yeah, I mean, of, of course, it's going to be a big crowd out there. I'm, going, I'm trying to uh, to enjoy that crowd, giving my best, always fighting as uh, I do uh, every match. And uh, I'll give my best. I think it's important also to enjoy this victory today. Uh, and tomorrow I'll think about uh, Roger's match, yeah. If we can reflect too on, uh, maybe it's not the last time you played Francis, but today was a rematch of uh, a very special yeah. day for you, Estoril, last year, when you won in front of the home crowd. Uh, if, if you don't mind just reflecting on what that moment felt like for you to, to win such a, a historic uh, tournament in front of your home fans. Yeah, I mean, it was a completely different match today, but yeah. uh, <laughs> that one was very special. I mean, winning at home was... Uh, a dream came true after after so many years that I didn't play well there. Being in a final in front of uh, my crowd, my people, everyone was supporting me, pushing as hard as they could. And in the end, I was able to win. I mean, it was a, a great achievement for me. Really happy, not only for me, for my family, my team. Everyone was supporting me. And uh, yeah, in the end, worked it very well. And I'm, I'm really happy with that. And you got a congratulations from the president in person. What was that like? Yeah, well, I, I was actually taking shower, and he took me from the shower uh, 
uh, outside the shower. So he just, yeah, he's an amazing, very humble pe person, very, um, uh, how, how can I say, very uh, close to the people and uh, he likes tennis as well. So he was, I was able to live that moment uh, very, very happily. And of course, it's a pleasure for me to have him watching my match and then in the end to give me a big hug. And, and what was the message in the shower? Hurry up, the president is waiting? No, 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 he went to the shower and he took did. me. Yeah, yeah, he went there. So it was not even one person came to me. He went direct to the shower and he took me from there. So oh it was gosh, a very special dude. moment for me and uh, it will be on my mind forever. Oh, I love that. I, I'm imagining sort of what, his public, his press manager coming in. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, hurry. Yeah, no, 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 it's the president. No, 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 it was the president with some two guys behind him, like just, yeah. Yeah, that's, that was a funny moment. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, just for a second, tennis in Portugal. I mean, you know, it was a great moment that day, but what is tennis right now, not only at the professional level, but more of a grassroots for Portuguese tennis? Well, um, I'm happy that I think Portuguese tennis is improving a lot. Uh, a lot of great facilities now, a lot of youngers uh, coming, trying to be professional. When I was young, uh, not many people wanted to be professional, so I believe I'm, I'm happy to see that uh, tennis is increasing, uh, a lot of players playing, uh, trying to be professional, which is very good. And uh, hopefully we can have uh, great players and yeah, uh, great great players being on top 100 and, and even more. Mm. So hopefully we can have those people coming through and um, yeah I mean I'm, I'm very happy with the, how tennis is going now in Portugal. Do you think it's important to have an event like Estoril there to show people what the top level is? It's essential to have Estoril I think it's uh, it's amazing they had some tough years in the in the past and now they they made a, a great job It's one of the best tournaments in the world believe me 250s and uh, it's amazing uh, how they worked hard to to be part of that that uh, tour, this tour. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's very important for the youngers to see uh, the best level that that we have on the ATP tour. And uh, yeah, I mean, I hopefully we can have many many years of uh, Israel. Yeah. Lastly, uh, is Francisco Roig still with your coaching team? Yes. Or? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Francis helps me a lot in Barcelona. I'm still in Barcelona working. My coach is Fred, but uh, Francis is always around and helping with the, his tips are very important for us. So, yeah, he's always around. And now he's here. It was before the match. He was giving me some tips for the match. So it's he's very important for us. He's, uh, I've interviewed him before, and I think some of our listeners on ATP Tennis Radio will know his name, but he's someone that... Um, really sees tennis maybe differently than a lot of people. He, yeah. he gives great insight. Yes, uh, definitely is one of the best coaches in the world. He's a guy that is very, very smart. I mean, he's working with Rafa also for many years, but he sees the tennis different way and uh, it's very uh, mechanical speaking. He's very, very good. And uh, yeah, it's it's a great, it's great to have him in our, in our team as well in the especially in the preseason that he works a little bit more with us and uh, for so many years it's just very special for us okay so unlike the president we didn't surprise you in the shower but Joao, thank you so <laughs> thank much you for much. speaking with us thank you thank you well, he's fresh off the practice court, but Jamie Murray, it's a big day for you otherwise because your YouTube channel has debuted. Tell us a little bit about the thought behind that. It's ex exciting for fans to see behind the scenes, but also you and Bruno are teaching people how to play tennis too. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, yeah, I've been playing the tour almost like uh, 
12, 13 years now and thought it'd be a cool way to kind of uh, give people a bit more insight into what we're what we're up to a um, bit of insight into the you know sort of behind the scenes stuff that you know I think fans don't really uh, don't really see I think often they see us kind of walk onto court play a match and walk off and don't always know what's kind of going on um, you know what it takes to get to that point to get on the court and then you know afterward what's the kind of aftermath of of, uh, of the winning and losing um, so try to give a bit of insight into that while we're on the road um, and then, yeah, there'll be a lot of sort of instructional videos, coaching tips, advices, um, yeah, just stuff that kind of I do to try to be a, a top doubles player. Um, I don't think it'll be specifically for sort of purely high-end performance view, but I think it'll kind of cater for all sort of ages and um, levels. Yeah. Is that kind of, I mean, your mom obviously has been involved in coaching for a long time and coaching with you and Andy, but is that something you feel like, you know, as you look forward in your life, you're like, oh, I want to share the knowledge that I have with others? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean, I kind of, I have a passion for that. I think um, through my mom, through um, Louis Caillou, who I've worked with for however long, like 10, on and off for sort of 10 years, um, and I think they've kind of instilled that in me a bit. And, um, yeah, I just I think it's... Uh, like I said, I just I just think it's it's cool to have that stuff out there, people to, you know, come and use it as a, you know, platform for them to learn tennis if that's what they, if that's what they want or if they're just interested in what we're kind of doing with their lives. Then, uh, you know, I think it's a, a cool a cool thing. YouTube's a great platform for that now, isn't yeah. it? I mean, people kind of, uh, you know, that's their kind of place to go if they want to learn things. You can do it for for free, obviously. Um, you know, I just think like when I moved down to London like I went there to kind of teach myself how to make scrambled eggs you know <laughs> so something as, as as simple as that so um, you know I think uh, I think it's a cool thing and you know I hope it's uh, hope it's successful and people find it beneficial well you already have over 500 subscribers so okay, I think we'll a try. few people are interested right. and you were saying to me before we started recording that filming something like that putting together those nice packages because you already have a few videos up that it was maybe a little more complicated than you thought yeah, it takes takes time, obviously, to yeah. to do all the filming and to to get it right, to get it to the point that you, you know, you think it's suitable to, you know, put, put it out there and you know the best way for people to to learn, um, and yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll be doing some filming, more filming when I'm on the road and you know when I'm at home, I probably need you know, a good few more days to kind of get more uh, more content and get it to the way that we that we want it to to put it out there for the people. Okay, I was watching your bag check. Five rackets. I thought maybe you'd travel with more than five rackets. Yeah, we... I mean, playing doubles, like, the matches are not... You know, we're not playing for, like, two, three hours and that, so we're not going through too many, like, ball changes. So for me, I don't really yeah. don't really need that much. And we're not hitting as many ground strokes, you know, so not, like, going through as many, as many uh, sets of string and that. So that's why I have five. To be honest, anymore I probably couldn't even fit my my bag. Like as I'm getting older, I seems to have more and more stuff for like uh, recovery and yeah. things like that. All these little uh, gadgets and gizmos. So uh, yeah, that's why I have five rackets. And how about no? You don't drink caffeine, or you don't drink coffee rather. Yeah. Uh, so you have caffeine gum. I don't think I've ever even heard of that. Yeah, I mean I yeah I don't drink like hot drinks. Never liked coffee for for whatever reason. Just didn't like the, the smell of it. Um, so yeah, I take like this caffeine gum like maybe 45 minutes an hour before I go on. Um, to play, to yeah, play yeah, just to kind of yeah. get you a bit more awake, you get things uh, firing a bit, uh, a bit better, 
but I mean sometimes like I take it too close and then you know because I'm not using caffeine yeah. you know I get on the and I you know get the shake especially like when your adrenaline's going and you know your senses are kind of like fired up for the for the match um, yeah kind of sometimes like I'll be serving <laughs> and I'll be like you know my hands are like shaking stuff I'm like that's not that's not good I need to time that a bit uh, a bit better but I think it helps when it's done uh, done correctly let's sure. say so just on the practice court, obviously, Bruno Suarez, you and Bruno have been together for a while now. Where are you at with your partnership? I mean, you guys are one of the, I think, few top doubles teams on the ATP Tour that have really stayed together, you know, sans the Bryan brothers here for the last few years. Yeah, this is our fourth year together. We started in um, 2016. Um, we had a lot of success straight off the straight off the bat in, in 2016. And, you know, I think the last... The, the three years we played, we finished one, three, and four, I think, in, in the race. So we've, uh, you know, we've been we've been consistent. We've uh, won some big tournaments along the way. Had a lot of had a lot of fun. And um, this year we're we've been doing okay. We had a good start to the to the year, and then um, we we started off well in the in the clay season as well. So we tried to keep it up here in, in Rome and give us a good uh, kind of platform for uh, going into French Open. And uh, I spoke yesterday with Dan Evans. He said he had a little hit with Andy last week. Uh, okay. How is your brother in general? He is doing all right, I think. Just taking it slow, doing um, everything that he needs to do, you know, with regards to rehab. Uh, I don't think he's trying to trying to rush anything. Um, I, I hit with him as well, kind of just before I came to came to Madrid, and not for not for very long. But uh, it was good to see him back on the court hitting. And um, yeah, I think we'll see what we'll see what happens from him. I, I know he's not rushing it which I think is a smart thing because you know I think if he if he if his goal is to come back and, and play again then uh, you know he doesn't need to be ready to play in one month or, or yeah. two months maybe it's it's longer but I think just get everything as as in the right position as possible as st strong and stable as he can to um, you know to put up with like the rigors of getting back on tour and competing all the time and was that at the All England club or where did you guys hit uh, we hit at uh, the Wentworth club Ship it out of London. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, just in general, lastly, uh, if we loop back to the YouTube channel, uh, we talk a little bit about instruction and sort of sharing that love for the game. But as you get older, yeah. as you and Bruno continue your partnership, is that sort of something that you overall just want to share your love for tennis and it's a new way to reach people? I think so, yeah. I mean, look, I've played the game since I was four years old and, you know, I love it and I still love it. Today I'm, I'm 33. I love getting out on the practice court and trying to get trying to get better um, for me it's been cool the last sort of year or so to see some of the other British guys younger British guys come up through the through the doubles ranks and there's a lot more of us on on tour now and that kind of inspires me as well to kind of keep keep working hard and try to kind of stay ahead of them as much as I I can uh, and I think like I ju yeah I just think it's it's a nice thing to be able to do to you know keep I don't know. It's just something a bit different. I don't yeah, see right. other people, other people doing it. Um, and yeah, if it can inspire people to kind of pick up a racket or improve their their games at whatever level they're they're playing at, then I think that's uh, that's that's the reason I'm doing it. Yeah. Okay. So watch, click, like, subscribe <laughs> to Jamie go, yeah. Murray's new YouTube <laughs> yeah. channel. Jamie, thank you so much. No, no, cheers. Thank you. On iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and ATPTour.com. This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Thank you very much to Nick. As I say, it, it's sterling work. I did actually speak to him at the end of that rain delay day and he said, hi, 
I'm exhausted <laughs> because there was there was so much stuff to scoop up and it was such a wonderful opportunity to speak to people. And don't forget, if, if you missed any of those or you want to hear more, we do have an exclusive channel on the TuneIn platform, the TuneIn radio platform, and we upload everything there so you'll get another chance to have a listen to those. Miles McLagan alongside me. Roland Garros is nearly, very, very nearly upon us. Qualifying as we speak begins tomorrow. Then it's the main draw. And for you... It's Rafa Nadal as the one to beat. He's my favourite coming in, you know, showing some, some good form. And just the fact that it goes to five sets, I mean, Djokovic is very, very close behind and uh, and not too far off because I think his clay court, um, his clay court season's been excellent. Dominic team, you know, showed some some great uh, great fitness and also just the belief, not just on the clay where he beat Nadal, but got across the line in that Masters 1000 in Indian Wells, beating Federer in a really tough battle. I think he's elevated himself to a new level. I'd hope to see Sasha's very of just showing a bit more form. Uh, I, I think it can come back at any time when, when your player is with the qualities he has uh, and what he's done, but it just it seems to keep el eluding him and, well, he's got a little work to do. With Zverev, do you think that it's, and he's spoken about this quite openly, started talking about it at Munich with the problems that have happened off court from whether it's the end of a relationship, his, his father had some, some physical problems, the, the split that doesn't seem very amicable at all, with the management company. And he's talking about everything he's having to do on top of what he used to have to do, which was get up, train, eat and repeat. So do you think purely with Sasha Zverev, it's deal with that and everything will be fine? Or do you think it's something else more on court? I, I'm, I'm sure that's part of it. I mean, that's something that anybody can relate to. And you've got a lot of lot of things going on. And, and I, I don't know the if he's having to write some big checks to, to the management or whatever, and that's never never much fun. But, yeah, I mean, you, you, you do... Uh, th that's why you have teams around you, because they take care of all the stuff so that you can just focus on the tennis. And it's, um, you know, if, that, if that's been distracted, if it's, uh, a friend of mine put it to me once in a way that, that I like, and it's like a computer that's got a certain amount of memory. And if that's being shared out for all sorts of different tasks, you know, you're not going to have your full power assigned to your to the your number one task and that's probably where he's at right now i mean he's a, he's a quality player he's young he also spoke to to his team in in madrid last week and said you know he's he's having to deal with the pressure of expectations now because he has won masters 1000s event the likes of Sitsipas, as as much as we love him and as great as as he is has not had to deal with those expectations just yet in terms of defending points and 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 saying well you know what's going wrong at the slam so he's he's you know a step ahead of that those guys and you know perhaps they'll have to go through that but I think you know his quality I think is from all accounts of here he's still working hard so they can come back pretty quickly he's taken entry into Geneva that's probably taking place as you listen to this podcast depending when you download and listen also in the Stan Wawrinka a tournament he regularly plays and Grigor Dimitrov another one of those who's gone through a change split up with his coach he's now working with Radek Stepanek we were looking back at last year's semi-finals before we started the podcast the surprise package in this run was Marco Cecconato it's been great to see that he could back up that semi-final run so he's not coming to Roland Garros thinking crikey if I do not defend those points I'm just going to sort of fall off the face of the rankings but it's it's always nice to see that story at a Grand Slam who can make that run who can who can challenge those I mean I don't know, think it would be a surprise with what he's done but do you think one of the young guys at a Sitsipas or we saw Francis Tiafo in Australia go deep do you think we can see one of the young guys come through in Paris? Oh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Sitsipas uh, do very very well I mean he's he's a great player uh, I hold my hands up he's better than 
than I th than I thought he was. He's come through quickly. He's shown shown some real uh, composure, and uh, he, what a great athlete he is for a big guy. He's got firepower. It would not surprise me at all. I think his his ambitions are are um, you know are high. But you know we've also got the likes of we talk about that draw Del Potro. He's looked to play some. He played some good tennis this week, and he knows not not afraid to beat beat the big guys. And who's to say the likes of uh, you know Nishikori can't catch fire and cause cause uh, trouble on uh, on some occasions and go deep. You are going for Nadal to win title number 12 in Paris. I, in the predictions capsule that every member of ATP Tennis Radio does at the start of the year, before the Australian Open starts, I went Djokovic. I'm happy to stay with Djokovic. I can't blame my children for that pick. That was that was purely me with my predictions at the start of the year. If you want to get involved in the predictions, you've got a little bit of time now, because next time we'll be doing them is... Um, the Rogers Cup in, in Montreal. You can either send them in via Twitter at ATP Tennis Radio or you can visit the ATP Tour Facebook page, join the ATP Tour fans group. You might feature on the podcast, you can definitely get predictions in, but don't worry about those yet. You've got plenty, plenty of time. Next up, it's Roland Garros. So it's been a, it's been a great week in the commentary box with Miles. We've got to know each other a little bit better because we had a whole day <laughs> when there was no play whatsoever. So it's been an absolute pleasure until next time it's, somewhere. It's been a great week, thank you. <laughs> For full details of everything that took place in the Eternal City, if you've already forgotten, and to follow events taking place in Lyon and Geneva, the final tournaments leading up to Roland Garros, atptour.com is your home for those. That's where you'll also find us, ATP Tennis Radio. We're going to be rebroadcasting Radio Roland Garros, so it's going to be WTA and ATP matches, everything that takes place at Roland Garros. You'll hear that via Radio Roland Garros. That starts a week today as we're recording this, Sunday the 26th of May, and we are with you from the moment play starts. And in terms of the podcast, I'll be back a week today previewing the action, previewing we've got the draw, we know what's what, we know where people have fallen, so we'll be getting you ready and building you up to Roland Garros. It's been a pleasure to have your company. Keep getting in touch with us. This has been the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. If you like this podcast, please search the iTunes store for ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review. review.